Hi, everyone. Um, I want to welcome everyone back to our second episode of our Lenten study. Um, Paul and I really enjoy doing the first one, and we received a lot of good feedback um, from people um, and really excited about this one and um, about what we're going to learn um, on this episode. So again, I want to thank everyone who listened. And I, this what reason why Paul and I are doing this is to help um, encourage um, you, our listeners, and everyone in the congregation to um, study their Bibles. So Paul and I have just really been digging into the Scripture, and I know for myself personally, it's um, really helped me even grasp even more about the Word of God that I love. And um, and no matter how much you study the Word of God, you always find something new. You always find something that you may have missed. And with the Spirit of God working in each one of us, we can always see something different um, for the things that God reveals through His Word. Um, so I'm hoping that this Bible study podcast and your own personal Bible study has helped um, your spiritual growth and the Spirit of God is speaking to you through His Word. Um, so we're going to have, Paul is going to open up this passage that we're going to study. Um, he's going to read our text for us. Hi folks, uh, thanks for joining in with us, whether you're walking the dog, washing the dishes, uh, sit back. Uh, listen up, and let's dig into our passage. John 18, Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover, so Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people, your chief priests, who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. So that's our passage for the, the day, folks. I uh, can't wait to break it down with you. First, a few words of context. Last week, we left off with Jesus still in the Garden of Gethsemane after breaking down that passage. Uh, since that uh, has taken place, Jesus has been arrested and uh, taken out of the garden. And over the next eight hours or so, basically the, the uh, hours of, of uh, the night that passed between 
that in the account we're reading today, Jesus is presented to no less than four Jewish and, and Roman leaders, as well as the entire council of Jewish religious leaders. Some of you who took on our, our challenge that we offered at the end of last week's episode to study an additional passage will have read up on the first of these encounters, Jesus uh, standing before the high priest Caiaphas and the whole Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the supreme council of Jewish religious leaders during this, uh, during this time. After that, uh, Jesus was sent off, as uh, verse 28 is about to tell us, uh, to stand before the next leader. And uh, Stephen's going to break that down for us as we turn to verse 28. Yeah, so we look at verse 28, um, and it's just right after Paul has said Jesus' trial with Jewish leaders. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial, un, ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So looking at verse 28, and just kind of like um, breaking it down, um, the Jews were again um, trying to keep their distinction between Gentiles. So the Jews, if you read through the Gospels, you notice that the Jews have a lot of ritual and purity laws. Um, and these ritual and purity laws were for the Jews to distinguish themselves from the Gentiles. Um, the Jews saw themselves very distinct from the Gentiles. Um, and really a part of Jesus' ministry, and when you also read through the epistles, um, you learn about how Jesus breaks down that barrier and that wall between Jews and Gentiles. Um, but that is after Jesus' death. So in this moment, the Jews are still holding to these ceremonial laws. And even Jesus speaks of these in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. Um, Jesus speaks of some of these laws that Jews just created on their own. Um, and Jesus calls the Jewish leaders out on some of these laws that weren't essentially biblical. So the Jews, part of the laws that the Jews had in this moment, verse 28, the Jews could go inside Gentile courtyards where the sky was open. So if you went into a courtyard and there's no ceiling, the Jews could go in. But the Jews could not go into buildings that had a roof or a buildings that had some sort of closure to the outside, um, to the sky. So the, that was part of the Jewish ceremonial and ritual laws that, that the Jews wanted to keep themselves distinct from the Gentiles. So one of the things that I, I pick up here, uh, the uh, Jews were told are trying to prevent from uh, prevent prevent themselves from becoming unclean, because the Passover ceremonies are are uh, right in the midst of of this time. Uh, we 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 studied um, this time of year how Jesus and his disciples celebrated the Last Supper the evening before this happened. So I thought that was a bit confusing. What are they worried about being unclean for? Because they already shared. The Jews already, already celebrated the Passover meal. Uh, fact is, though, they had multiple meals and multiple ceremonies. So I, I encountered that fact, and it, it put my mind at ease about that. They still had reason uh, to need to remain clean and uh, ceremonially uh, clean for the, the meals and the festivities that were still ahead of them. And uh, also I found interesting as... as Caiaphas sends uh, Jesus over to, to Pilate in our account today. 
um, what is the, the reason for this? Caiaphas uh, doesn't have the ability, nor do the, the Jewish religious leaders around him, to call for somebody's execution. So they could they could preside over somebody's trial, essentially, uh, for violating some sort of religious law, um, and they could deal out some level of punishment, but they couldn't uh, they couldn't send somebody for capital punishment. And so that's why Jesus is sent off to to Pilate in our account today. Uh, the only time that uh, a Jewish leader would be allowed to basically execute somebody um, with the minimal permission from Caiaphas with uh, uh, pretty, pretty much certainty is if a Jew had violated the temple laws. Uh, so somehow uh, a Jew had uh, desecrated the temple in some way, entered it in, at a time or in a space that they weren't allowed to. Uh, so just some interesting backdrop kind of context information for uh, the, the atmosphere that we're working with here. So we turn to verse 30, continue on in our journey. Uh, we're told, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone. The Jews objected. So this is affirmation of the, the system of uh, capital punishment cases that uh, I just referenced. Pilate viewed this um, as an internal squabble be between the Jews, he really wanted nothing to do with this. Uh, he he kind of wanted to be hands off. Um, the tensions were, were already up, and uh, he wanted to be able to hand it off to somebody else. And, and often he could. He had a court system he could hand it off to or just trust the, the Jews to handle it themselves. But this was considered a capital punishment case. The Jews had made it such. And uh, so he, as governor, Roman governor, was personally responsible for the outcome of uh, this decision. So he needed to, uh, to really do his part and uh, take this seriously. So even though um, he tried, ultimately he would have to, to decide this case. But initially here, he's trying to push it off and uh, try and get the Jews to handle it for themselves. So yeah, this is going off what Paul is saying. You look at even um, what Pilate says, his first words in verse 29, what charges are you bringing against this man? Pilate, and his, you could tell with his attitude, it's almost like, why, what has this man done? Why, why do you bring this man to him? Is, is this why the Jews respond? If he were not a criminal, we would not have brought him, right? So the way the, the, way the Jews respond, and almost Pilate, his first response is like, why do you bring him to me? Why do you involve me in this? Pilate has a very standoff attitude. And this is because... Romans and Jews had a lot of conflicts, a lot of squirmishes, a lot of infighting, and um, the Jews saw the Romans as a conquering power. So when they saw Pilate and they saw all the Roman soldiers, it, it irked at them uh, because this this was supposed to be Jerusalem, and, and the Jews were the people of God. They weren't supposed to be conquered by Rome. Um, so the Jews and Rome did not have a really great relationship um, so it goes back to what Paul was saying that Pilate is just really hands off, like he doesn't want to get involved with all of this um, because of this background between the Romans and the Jews. As you as you say that, Stephen, I'm picturing the the Jews back in the early years of their nation's history, uh, following Moses through the wilderness, and all of a sudden with Joshua going into the Promised Land and taking out all these cities and a conquering nation, and God is working you know, miracles through them, and, and they are invincible. Um, that was part of their nation's history, their, their legacy, their heritage, and now all of a sudden, 
Uh, of course, this is centuries later, but that's that's still who they saw themselves as, God's chosen people. So the idea of being ruled by another nation, even the Romans, um, was despicable to them. So uh, needless to say, they didn't get along too well. They weren't too pleased with the circumstances they were living in at the time. So looking at verse 32... Um, Looking at verse 32, we have, um, this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said uh, about the kind of death he was going to die. So, as Paul had mentioned, the Jews were not allowed to, technically were not allowed to execute anyone. Um, And them bringing Jesus to a Roman official, um, kind of, as the verse says, signifies the death that Jesus was going to die. And this is something that Jesus even pointed to earlier in the book of John. So in John chapter 3, verse 14, and also John chapter 12, verse 32, um, Jesus speaks in those verses about being lifted up and drawing all people towards him. Um, Jesus even compares himself to the story um, in the Old Testament where Moses makes a bronze snake and he holds the snake up, um, and everyone who looks to the snake is saved of their poison. Um, Jesus compares himself to that story that he is the one being lifted up and that people will come to him. And that phrase being lifted up, um, Jesus signifies that's that's a symbol of the cross of being lifted up. Um, so again, the, the Jews bringing Jesus to Pilate is again fulfilling the scripture of the Old Testament. Um, it's fulfilling the words of God predicted thousands and thousands of years ago. So in, in verse 33, uh, Pilate summons Jesus, asks him, Are you in fact the king of the Jews? Uh, so we move into 34, Jesus' response. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? All right, so now we're getting into the the, uh, the meat of, of Jesus and Pilate's encounter here, their exchange. And uh, I think what immediately jumps out to me here is Jesus, even in his final hours, is still being Jesus, Jesus at his best. Uh, one of the things you pick up on as you read the Gospels, Jesus never answered a question directly, right? I mean, I, I, I love Jesus and, and watching him because I know he's on my side and I know what he's trying to do. Um, I think it's fantastic. If I was trying to have a conversation with Jesus and in one of these gospel accounts, he probably would have driven me crazy because he never, never answered anything directly. Even in this situation, Jesus is, is trying to uh, get into Pilate's head and, and help Pilate see something new in the midst of all of this. Uh, so Jesus doesn't answer uh, Pilate's question the way he's he's hoping for. Uh, but first, what is Pilate trying to accomplish with this question? Uh, are you the king of the Jews? What a, a loaded question, right? <clears throat> so Jesus is is trying to, to get Pilate to see his question and understand uh, his own motives in a new way. So what did it mean that Jesus uh, would potentially be the king of the Jews? And I think this is what Jesus understood about Pilate here. Pilate was trying to figure out from Jesus, what type of king are you? Because uh, Jesus was was uh, claiming to be king, had done so in his ministry in different ways. The people said so. So let's get to the, the bottom of this. What kind of king are you? Because one kind of king, uh, Pilate's in big trouble. If Jesus is, is this uh, conquering king who's coming to lead the Jews, 
to to take over um, Rome and and to break free of of Rome's uh, oppression on them, then Pilate's got problems and he's got to squash this uh, right quick. But if Jesus is a different kind of king, say the the messianic um, king that is coming to perhaps just fulfill some of the prophecies of of the Jews and help the Jews reconnect with with their God, with Yahweh, and, and become more righteous and, and get back to a, a place of, of, um, of positivity in their country's uh, history, then Pilate doesn't have as many issues with this. So uh, Pilate's trying to get to the bottom of this. He can't say it straight um, as Jesus would like him to. So Jesus responds, as Jesus often does, he answers his question with a question. Is this your own idea or did others talk to you about me? And what is uh, Pilate's response? Well, he, he kind of recoils here, doesn't he? One of those quick, uh, uh, what, what are you talking about? Or I, I don't know what you mean. Are you talking about me? Or that doesn't make sense. Because uh, he knows that Jesus knows uh, more about him than he knows about himself, right? And uh, Pilate is trying to play dumb here. And so we see Pilate already kind of backed up against a wall, and he's about to have to make a, a difficult decision about Jesus. And Jesus is laying the groundwork for that to take place. Yes, and also a reminder that um, Jesus wasn't the first one to make himself a Messiah. So, um, again, as we mentioned before, the, the relationship between the Romans and the Jews was not good. Um, and there are many rebellions that the Romans had put down by Jewish um, rebels um, and people who said they were Messiahs. So, again, Pilate is, as Paul had mentioned, he's, he's kind of checking his bases and making, is this guy really a threat? to the Roman Empire. Um, so we're going to look at um, verse 36 and Jesus' reply to Pilate. Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So Jesus reveals his kingdom and what he means by his kingdom. So. He says, my kingdom is not of this world, which of course is true. Um, his kingdom isn't of this world. Um, now part of the study and part of Bible study and what you do is you, um, I use commentaries and Paul's use commentaries and, and I was looking and doing a lot of research and doing commentaries and Bible dictionaries and whatever tools that can help you grasp the word of God even deeper. Um, but one of the commentaries I read that, that spoke on this verse was really, really good. Um, and it says that Christ gave an account of the nature of his kingdom. It's a nature, its nature is not worldly. It is a kingdom within people, set up in their hearts and consciences. Its, its riches are spiritual, its power is spiritual, and its glory is within. Its supports are not worldly. Its weapons are spiritual. It did not need nor use force to maintain or advance it, nor does it oppose any kingdom, but the kingdom of sin and Satan. Its object and design are not worldly. So what this commentary is saying is that Jesus' kingdom is completely different than the kingdoms of this world as Pilate would have understood them. Jesus' kingdom is very much spiritual, but... It is also very concrete and real in the sense that it makes and should make our actions, words, and thoughts completely different. Um, that this spiritual kingdom um, 
really affects what we do in the world around us. So it's not purely spiritual, it's spiritual and physical, and all of it works together. Um, so when, King, when Jesus says, of this world, we're also that his kingdom, the nature and origin of this kingdom is not of this world, but his kingdom will definitely extend into this world and will affect the people, affect all of us because of his kingdom, um, a kingdom that is not just purely spiritual, but spiritual and physical, a kingdom that um, changes within the hearts within us. Um, so Jesus' kingdom is also, when you speak of Jesus' kingdom, there's not a specific location that you can point to. So you can't say the kingdom's there, the kingdom's there, the kingdom's this building, the kingdom's that building. The kingdom's not found in a specific location or place. So it doesn't have a physical headquarters or a capital. It's, it's not brick and mortar. The kingdom of God is made up of people and the people who have the spirit of God within them. Those people who follow Jesus Christ make up the kingdom. So even when you think of our church, Rocky River, that the kingdom of God is in our midst. It's right there with us because of the people who, for, who worship and follow Jesus and who have the spirit of God in them. There is the kingdom. Um, that's the kingdom that Jesus is speaking of. Mm. So the uh, kingdom is very kind of organic in nature, and it's it's relational, people based. It's it's a lifestyle. It's not what you what you said, brick and mortar, um, and it's definitely not what Pilate thought it was. It's definitely not even what the many many of the Jews thought it was. Nobody got it except for Jesus. Jesus is completely trying to redefine what kingdom means here. Um, I think it's interesting to look back now, you know, seeing where Jesus is going in his ministry, look back on the earlier portions of the gospel when Jesus almost is like evading uh, the attempts of the Jews to make him king or to put him in that type of a role. Uh, one such passage earlier in the, the gospel of John, right after the story of the feeding of the 5,000, uh, John tells us in, in that moment when the, the meal had been completed, Jesus has to escape up into the mountains on his own because the people were so enamored by him and, and the miracle he had just done. He was afraid that they were going to, quote, make him king by force. So uh, even earlier in his ministry, the, the people were trying to present Jesus with an opportunity to be a worldly king with a worldly kingdom, and Jesus wanted nothing to do with it. And he communicates the same thing to Pilate here uh, in the final hours of his life. So then jump into verse 37. It says, you, and this is Pilate's reply to Jesus' response. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So Pilate um, feels like he finally has a confession from Jesus. That Jesus says, oh, so you are a king. So Pilate's like, okay, I got a confession. Um, but Jesus, again, um, when Jesus responds, it's not quite um, what Pilate would have thought. Um, so Jesus then very, very clearly um, states his purpose for the very reason why he was born. So what's the reason why he was born? Jesus says it's to bear witness to the truth. Now, truth is a major theme um, of Jesus in the Gospel of John. As a matter of fact, in chapter 1, verse 2, um, John opens up his Gospel with, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, 
when you see that in the very beginning of the Bible, in the very beginning of John's Gospel, excuse me, it sets the theme. So when you see those first beginning verses of the Gospel of John, it sets the theme for the rest of the book. Um, and then it begs the next question, right? What truth? What truth are you telling, Jesus? What truth are you testifying to? And here's a list of truths just from the Gospel of John. The truth about the truth about God, the truth about God the Father, the truth about salvation, the truth about ourselves, the truth about our world, the truth about the future, the truth about what it means to really live, the truth about the lies of our world, the truth about the Father's love, the truth about his resurrection, the truth about that he came to seek and save the lost, the truth about his kingship. So Jesus says, I come to testify the truth. There's a whole list of truths that we would have never had heard if Jesus had not testified and voiced those truths to us. And then Jesus even hammers it in more where he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And this goes along to what Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So in other words, Jesus is saying, those who believe his testimony, um, those are the ones who listen to him, and those are the ones that follow the truth. In, other, in essence, Christians are the ones who believe the truth claims of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So at this point, Pilate's head is completely spinning, right? So Jesus has offered this response. Uh, first, Pilate heard from the Jewish religious leaders. Then he's had this conversation with just him and Jesus, and he knows what his responsibilities are as, as Roman governor. And I think you know, at the end of this conversation with Jesus, he's more confused about what he's doing here than he was when all of this started. He's gotten absolutely nowhere. He's feeling pressure from both sides, the Jews, and, and uh, his responsibility to Rome. And so... Um, what does he do? He, he digs deep and he, he thinks uh, of this solution maybe that could get him off the hook here and somehow, not necessarily make everybody happy, but at least uh, take the pressure off on both sides and, and make him at least at the end when all is said and done look uh, potentially like an innocent bystander here and not really responsible for how this plays out. So uh, what's his perfect solution? Um, he, he thinks in his mind, you know what, Jesus is He's a, a gentle, um, loving, compassionate a healer, a, a miracle worker. Most of the, the Jews, if given the option, they would probably want to see this guy set free, right? And if they had the option, they would rather see one of the more heinous and violent criminals that had been uh, loose in, in Jerusalem crucified rather than Jesus. So he, he recalls um, this tradition that is used uh, every year during the, the Feast of the Passover where the Roman governor has the opportunity to grant amnesty uh, to one person who otherwise would be sent to the cross. And so, like I said, Pilate can feel better about himself if now, even though he has already declared Jesus innocent, um, if he takes uh, Jesus out to the people and ultimately essentially gives them the decision, uh, deciding vote as to whether it's Jesus or somebody else that, that gets executed. So he goes out to the people, right? And he says, do you want me to release the king of the Jews to you? <clears throat> and they shout back, catch this, we're in verse 40 now. No, not him, much to Pilate's surprise. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part 
in a rebellion. So Pilate has schemed up the perfect solution here. He thinks he's he's going to work out, uh, everything's going to work out in his favor. Um, he, he introduces Jesus to the people as the king of the Jews, and there's a whole lot of irony packed in, in that statement coming from Pilate. We don't know, uh, much like you know, sitting down and reading somebody's text or social media posts, we don't know his tone of voice. We don't know really his intention, his mood in saying that. Maybe he's mocking Jesus. Maybe he's mocking all the Jews for how ridiculous this whole situation is. Maybe, maybe there's a twinge of conscience in here, and he actually is beginning to see some truth in, in Jesus' claim. But either way, he has this plan, and it suddenly backfires when the people, um, I think, divinely inspired, really, from, from God above, uh, call instead for the release of Barabbas. Uh, Barabbas, um, we, we did a sermon on this, mentioned it not too long ago. Uh, Barabbas, Bar means a son, Abbas, Abbas means father. Barabbas' name simply generic son of the father. This uh, this sinner, this broken man who actually was, was uh, apparently a, a rebel, a revolutionary, a, a huge threat to Rome, uh, he is released. A generic son of a man, son of a father, is released and Jesus is uh, condemned to die. So um, in, in the end, everything backfires on Pilate, and uh, we don't know really mu much of what happens to him after this or how he learned or didn't learn from this experience. Uh, but Jesus definitely put him through the ringer and uh, made him think about some things in, in new ways in the midst of uh, this account. So at the end, uh, Barabbas is set free. He walks away scot-free, looks back at Jesus being sent to the cross in his place. And Jesus then continues his journey towards the cross. And this, friends, is where we're going to leave off for today. Uh, so we've had an interesting dose of, uh, of Jesus and, and Pilate's little intimate in, encounter here, um, kind of some background socio-political uh, climate information about all of this, as complex as it is, more so than most of us realize. And Jesus, even at the end here, still directly or indirectly ministering to or trying to impact the people around him in a powerful way. So that's a, about a wrap. Once more, a, a few closing comments. First, we want to hear your comments. At the uh, bottom of this page, you'll see an opportunity to write your feedback in, in the box there. Uh, go ahead and, and uh, stir up some conversation amongst one another. Share some feedback. Share uh, some things that you discovered in this passage, maybe that Stephen and I missed. Make use of that PDF study guide that is uh, linked uh, to this page so that you can dig in and, and do some of your own studying. And, and to that end, uh, the passage that we're going to challenge you to take on between now and the next time we put an, an episode out a week from today uh, is John 19, verses 1 through 16. John 19, 1 through 16. That will be the perfect link between what we talked about today and what Stephen and I will cover for you next week. It'll keep you right in sync with the story. And uh, we hope and pray give you a powerful opportunity to engage in some study yourself and peel back some layers of this crazy and unbelievably beautiful onion called uh, God's Holy Word. So that's a wrap for today. Stephen, will you close us in prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you so much uh, for sending us our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much that he came and died on the cross for our sins. We pray that from what we learn from this passage, that Jesus is the one who testifies to the truth. And I pray, Lord, that we would open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to listen to the voice of truth, that this voice can speak into our lives and the lives of those around us. So, Heavenly Father, we just pray that we give ourselves up to you. We love you, Jesus. 
In Jesus' name, amen.